This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We're a. Uh, I was going to make a joke. I was going to be. A, I forgot that I didn't say the Obsessive Viewer podcast because I wanted to say uh, the Obsessive Viewer podcast. God. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for not. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and uh, like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And then also, if you're in Indianapolis, um, as of today, this recording, we're recording it on the 19th of July, uh, tickets for the fifth annual Shocktober in Irvington are on sale. So, nice. yeah, so uh, from now until September 4th, you'll be able to get the early bird price of $6 uh, per ticket. Um, you can find that at shocktober2018.eventbrite.com or just go to shocktoberinirvington.com. And if you're unfamiliar, Shocktober in Irvington is a yearly event that we host in Irvington, uh, that basically we screen short horror films from local filmmakers. We, uh, give them, uh, raffle off prizes and do Q and A's with the filmmakers after each screening. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's our fifth year doing it. All proceeds go to the, uh, Irvington Historical Society. And also this year we will have a cash bar that's sponsored by our friend, uh, Tony Troxel over at Kiki in Indiana. So the, uh, we will have a cash bar for the first time. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, so again, that's, uh, October 12th at, uh, the Playground Production Studios in Irvington. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more information. Whew. All right. Word. Then, yeah. And then also, finally, the episode, of course, is sponsored by Horror Movie Yearbook, which you can find at horrormovieyearbook.com or at HM Yearbook on Twitter. It's a horror movie podcast that discusses different uh, horror movies by the year of release and contextualizes them and uh, 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 discusses them in view of the current events and pop culture of the year of release. So thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for uh, sponsoring us for so long on Patreon. So, Tiny. Yes, sir. How's it going? It is going. Good. I think this is this is like the first, like, I don't want to say real, like regular episode that we've Matt had. and Tiny have a podcast. Yeah. Have a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a pain in the ass to... Edit out. Yes, it is. Um, it's uh-huh. gonna be a pain in the esophagus. To edit yeah, out. yeah, you gotta leave it in. All right. Yeah. I'm not. Let's not even reference it. Let's not. Okay. Like that. Like our okay. listeners won't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So yeah. So we're coming hot off of the uh, special episode last week with Mike. Ah, uh, Mike. In studio. So good to have him back. Yeah, and I, I, I do have to say, I did feel bad that I left it as a surprise for you. Why? It was um, awesome. No, no, no. Like, I, I totally, I totally get that. But, like, I feel like if I had been like, oh, hey, Tidy, Mike is going to be here, like, yeah. probably, you know, it would have been more like, not that, I don't know, like, um, 
you know, maybe your schedule could have moved around a little bit. Yeah. I felt like, I, you know, you only had a couple hours with Mikey. Right. We only, yeah, I got here late. Yeah. That's all right, though. I, the surprise made up for it. Nice. Nice. Because I was, like, I had no clue. Like, I wouldn't even have thought. Yeah. I thought you were going to, like, give me a Coke as a surprise oh, right. or something like that. Like, I wasn't <laughs> expecting a human person. Right. You know? Yeah, and uh, had I not, like, I, like you are a gun owner. I am. <laughs> um, so, and I know that you, I, I'm glad that you don't, like, bring your gun to no, my apartment. I don't. Because that could have been terrible. <laughs> Plus, I don't know what scenario would have to happen where I would feel the need to draw my weapon. Right. When I saw Mike White. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. But it was a dark bedroom. It was, it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, it, uh... That would have yeah. been like a family guy cutaway. Right. <laughs> like that time you killed your friend. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so anyway, so what, today is a kind of a, another kind of special or unique episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we are basically, uh, we haven't really, like we're still kind of in catch-up mode. Yeah. And so we both have, like we had planned on doing an extended potpourri at some point. Which is interesting because when Kirsten was on, I did an extended potpourri. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's been a while since we've had like our own little palaver. <sighs> we should, yeah. we should probably record a Tower Junkies. We should. It's been a minute. It really has been a hot minute. Yeah, and I also need to do anthology. I'm sorry, guys. Nah, life. Yeah, yeah. But it anyway, finds a way. yeah, yeah. It's a you know, one minute you're sitting on the couch, the next minute you're puking in the bathroom. But um. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh so uh, instead of doing the conventional extended potpourri, I have recently been getting more and more into Letterboxd as I've been watching more and more movies. Right. So like I've and I and I've got some downtime at work or you know, time where I can just kind of relax a little bit. It's not as as um as uh quickly paced as it was when I was in the call center. So like, I just like to browse letterbox and everything. So I had the idea that we do, that we could do a letterboxed potpourri Mm -hmm. where we each have our phones out and we each have the other's letterboxed diary open. And so we're just going to take turns asking each other what we thought about different movies on our lists or on, on our diaries. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we do that, do you want to talk a little bit about Letterbox and stuff like uh, like what your username is and wh- how do you use it? Do you have you utilized the list function yet? Uh, no, I haven't used the list function. I it's funny because I paid for the premium, right? Um, when you told me you sold it really well mm. and it's awesome, I just haven't <clears throat> dove into it really. Right. Um, and it, there's no particular reason why. It's just mm. I haven't for any any reason sure. i just haven't done it um uh I th- what is my username is it obsessive tiny i it think is. it is yeah yeah i don't even say i don't even know <laughs> well the, i mean one of the great things about the app is you can just open it up mm-hmm. and just just you hit one button and you search for it and it pops up you click on it and you can just check into like i can check into a movie in like 15 seconds oh totally and put it on oh, my yeah. diary and then like i've been trying to 
wait till the movie's over mm-hmm. so I can throw at least a star rating on it. Right. Maybe a couple words. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because I feel like I'm going to forget. Yeah. And I don't want to forget and leave I stuff totally off the list, that. you know. Um, but it's just, it's such a fluid app. Mm-hmm. It's very, it just... Very nicely designed. Right. It's so like, I, I don't even have to like, it's just, I don't have to think about it very much and it yeah. just kind of... It's just, a, it's just a, a smooth app and it's it's so, it's so user-friendly that I don't yeah. even... You don't, it's, it's so easy to not like, I guess it's good because you can do both, you can kind of do it both ways where mm-hmm. you, you like really dive into it and get into right. the minutia and everything, mm-hmm. or you can just kind of use it as a way to log movies and yeah. just use it in a very simple form. There's a versatility, versatility to right. it that you can use it for really any yeah. thing. Now, you don't tag your entries, do you? Um, I usually tag them with, um, the format in which I watch the right. movie and that's it. Okay, I uh, um. so I had some downtime, <laughs> and now I wanted to kind of. Uh, by the way, my username is at Obsessive Viewer on on Letterboxd. Um, so, uh, like, I've I've been very di- diligent about tagging all of the movies in uh, in my in my diary and everything mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. And what's kind of great is like if you go to like a tag or go to like a list or anything, like I I don't remember having this. Um, function before but like if you go to like oh i went to my netflix tag of all the movies i watch on netflix and like the filters you can apply to it is amazing that's pretty cool yeah so before i get to the tags because i have a i have a bit that i want to share with you okay um the the watch list have you added any movies to your watch list or anything no i feel like this could be a really great like tool for like what we do okay and everything because like i and i'm (laughs) so Again, I had some downtime. <laughs> um, I've been adding a lot of movies. Okay. Uh, do you want to take a guess how much, how many movies are in my watch list? Like my list of movies to watch. 74. 174. <laughs> 374. Are you ready for this? Okay. Okay. Uh, to preface this, <laughs> there, if you go to stats when you're on pro, it has like, You've watched this many of the IMDb 250, the, uh, like, uh, Edgar Wright's 1000 movies you must see before you die. Oh my gosh. Like, all of these lists. So, my watch list is currently at 1,457. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. That's a few. It is. Wow. But, what's cool is, like, I can go, like, okay, I can sort by, like, release date or, um, the film length. The prop, uh, popularity and like, yeah. it's like, there's so much stuff. So like, if I'm like, okay, um, uh, what movie was it that I watched recently? I don't remember, but basically I can go to genre. Like if I'm in the mood for a comedy, just apply the genre filter to comedy. And it's like, okay, well, I kind of want a recent comedy. So from the 2010s and then I have a list, uh, on my watch list of comedies from the, t- the last like 10 years yeah um that i can choose from uh but yeah anyway so it's ridiculous <laughs> and so let me before i go back to the tags thing um lists yeah now tiny i don't know if you know this about me <laughs> i'm fond of making lists <laughs> yeah of things um uh, yeah yeah you sent us one earlier this week i, uh, I did to mike and myself yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that one close to the vest I'm yeah because i think 
after each next week I'll talk about that. Again, the detail and the minutia. Yeah. That you're into. It's uh, uh was on on full display when yeah. you sent us. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I I've been into making lists on uh on Letterboxd. Mhm. And so what I did recently, because like I have the standard like oh top movies of 2016, 15, 14, 13, 2017, all that. Right. Um, and then I did have for a while now I've had every movie we've reviewed on the Obsessive Viewer podcast as a list. Wow. So there's a just a list there, and I think if you read the notes, it has a link to each episode. Um, it's funny because uh, the Dark Tower. It's uh, <laughs> OV217, OV218. Also check out towerjunkiespod.com. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's, I, I like having that there and also, you know, free promotion for us. Right. Um, and then the most recent one that I, uh, started that I need to add the links to and everything is, uh, Obsessive Viewer Potpourri, <laughs> which is a running list of nearly every movie we have discussed in the Potpourri segment of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Oh my God. And, uh, the reason for that, like the reason for that is when you open a list on Letterboxd, um, while you're signed into your account, it will give you a, like it says, of this list of an, um, an obscene amount of movies that we've referenced on, uh, um, in, in potpourri, I don't remember how many there are in there, but anyway, of all of those, uh, movies I have seen, um, at least as far back as my diary goes on letterbox, which is back to 2013, okay. I've seen 66% of them. Jeez. <laughs> so like, I would like to eventually get that to a hundred percent. Cause like, right. I would like to be able to, you know, say that I've seen every movie that we've discussed. Wow. Um, that's cool. That's an interesting goal. Right? It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And what's great about it, and we'll be using this, like, later on for future episodes and stuff, like, you can filter, oh, it's, uh, 321 movies in this list. Okay. Um, you can filter it by, like, you can, uh, you can filter it by movies you've watched or movies you haven't watched. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can just, like, I just have the other, um, Math is hard. Thirty-four <laughs> percent of movies that I haven't uh, seen. Yeah. So, boom. The whole I'm looking through some of like the popular lists. Oh yeah. And some of them are just really funny. Like there's some yeah. good ones, like films directed by women, mm-hmm. uh, 2019 Oscar contenders. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's just called Vintage Lesbians. Right. I saw that. <laughs> there's one. Uh, <laughs> there's one that's just called that's just called Bit Gay. <laughs> Not nice. <a> gay. <laughs> um, that's funny. Oh. But isn't isn't there a way you can like uh, look at like t- some of like the top lists, like uh, like IMDb, IMDb top two fifty or like yes. or AMC's top one hundred movies of all time or something yes. like that. So the way that you kind of do that, it's kind of tricky because um, like the way that I looked up like Edgar Wright's uh, thousand movies to watch before you die or whatever mm-hmm. was, I just typed in Edgar Wright's. And then went okay. to lists. Gotcha. And then, yeah, it's a it's it's Edgar Wright's one thousand favorite horror or favorite movies. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm considering next year trying to set a goal. A yeah. Mo- a movie goal again. Nice. Because I haven't done that in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um. A movie a day. Oh fuck no! Yeah, you I will watch never, a movie a day. Never do that again. We um, we have verbal commitment from Tiny. <laughs> He's gonna watch a movie every day. But I thought about like finding a list like that, like a top one hundred list or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and just trying to like not commit. I I don't think I can commit to watching hundred movies. Sure. Um, that are on you know specific movies, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but being like, I want to get through as much of this list as I can this year, right? Or like a significant percentage, yeah. And just you know, using using my pro account on Letterbox right. to, to greater effect, um, and as a way to kind of keep me a little more disciplined and, and try totally. to actually. You know, with especially with as easy as to rent movies now. Yeah, uh, oh, totally. Like you can just go on Vudu or, or Google mm-hmm. Play or Amazon or wherever and search. And right, most movies, not all, I don't know about most movies, but a lot of movies you can find. Yeah, through digitally oh, yeah. and just you know three dollars or whatever. It's not that big mm-hmm. of a deal. So, yeah, and like I've I've talked about this before, but like something that I've gotten in the habit of doing is um, buying up Google Play gift cards. Okay, like I have like. In a certain area of my apartment, I have, mm-hmm. uh, like $25 worth of Google Play, uh, gift cards. Nice. So, like the idea is that I want to kind of like uh, collect them or like get them. And then at the end, toward the end of the year, when I do my, oh, this is like my 2018 catch up viewings. Like I use that to do that. Although, um, the 25 that I have currently, I kind of want to get, um, <laughs> Uh, this is a tangent, but, um, oh, and I still need to talk about the tags. Damn it. Yeah. Anyway, um, at least we're on topic that's relevant to us. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so, uh, relevant to the podcast. But anyway, so, I have a list for AMC, a list. Right. And so, like, you're able to, like, I was kind of, part of me was just kind of curious what it's like to, like, reserve a ticket that's like a few weeks in advance because like it's it's a three movies per week thing mm-hmm. um so i went ahead and was like you know what i've seen this trailer a lot i haven't seen i've seen one of the five movies in the franchise now six movies so i went ahead and just reserved a ticket for uh mission impossible fallout okay for next thursday okay um if you want to go next thursday at seven next thursday okay possibly yeah. oh nice. uh, uh, i'm on call next week because i can't commit to stuff like that because i could get a call and have to leave oh yeah you know. that would make our movie watching impossible yes there would be fallout from that there would be yeah Fallout um, 76 yeah be our mission to different podcast. oh fallout 76 oh, yeah man. different podcast let's start a video game podcast no okay anyway um, so anyway um so like now i have until thursday to watch all of the mission impossible movies oh boy yeah and like i was thinking like you know i have 25 dollars on google yeah. play you know for 50 bucks i can get the full franchise on google play right for uh, in hd i'm like they're not great are they not buy worthy no no they're not buy worthy especially okay i mean the second one's a john woo movie which yeah john woo's fine like mm-hmm. he's kind of fun but sure do you want to oh, do you does anyone have a john woo collection who isn't a douchebag <laughs> i mean really i I don't know. I feel like there may be people, just really? in case someone yeah, listening has a job. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. But, but anyways, like the, the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman, I don't remember which one that is. I think it's the third one. Third. Third, third yeah. one. Yeah, that one's, that's a pretty solid movie. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of them are just kind of... Really? Yeah. See, that's... I'm glad you said that. Because yeah. I'm just going to rent them now. The first one's a great movie. Mm-hmm. First one's good. But then, yeah, See, from there, I just... It's funny, because I feel like the first one's the... Like, it's... It's I've seen it maybe twice in my life, and yeah. like both times it's been kind of a slog for me. Really, and I feel like if I stick with it, because like Fallout's getting some really like good really? buzz. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, and like I I'm really attracted to the idea of practical action sequences and yeah. stuff. 
Um, cause Tom Cruise is fucking insane and he does all of his own stunts and everything. He cry. Yeah. And also I'm really attracted to the idea of a different director for each installment, which of course with, uh, Fallout, it's the first time a director has made a second mission. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Christopher McQuarrie. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like I'm really intrigued by that concept of like the first four or five are all like unique directors putting their stamp on the franchise. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll probably rent them. Yeah. In that case. And then maybe, maybe eventually I'll buy them if I enjoy the franchise. Okay. But, That's cool. Yeah. But it was funny because I was also like, oh, you know, uh, before we made plans to record tonight, the, tonight's Thursday for our listeners. I was like, yeah, is there a movie that's coming out Thursday? Cause I have like one, um, ticket left this week that i can see nice. um and i and i looked and the only thing that kind of caught my eye was uh well there were two like either the first purge but i haven't seen the other ones and mm-hmm. even though it's a prequel i was like i don't i can't do it and then the yeah. uh the other one was the equalizer too which oh god yeah which i never saw the equalizer yeah not good yeah and like i was thinking like i almost rented it um, I actually reserved the ticket for Equalizer 2 thinking like, oh yeah, like Tuesday or something. I'll go ahead and just, I'll, I'll watch the Equalizer and then, <laughs> and then go see the Equalizer 2 in the theater. And then like, I looked up the Equalizer on Google Play to rent it and I was like, it's like two hours and like 11 minutes. Is it really? Like, Jesus. Yeah. So. Yeah, I did yeah. not like it. So. Yeah. But anyway, if, anyway, to kind of circle back, um, if you go to, uh, your, uh, profile and stats. Have you done that recently? My profile, go to stats. Yes, yeah, all the way down. Okay. Stats. Dude. Have you not looked at this yet? No, I haven't looked at mine since I paid for Pro. I forgot, oh, wow. I forgot about all this. Endless progress. Oh, okay, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Letterbox top 253%. Yeah. But then again, you wow. you've only backlogged like you don't have like yeah yeah okay yeah wow that's cool though yep that's, so that's what how I was... you can get those lists yeah yeah i'm decent on box office Mojo, yeah all time 100 oh yeah that's cool yeah see this this is why i wanted to buy the mm-hmm. yeah yep. <laughs> nice my most watched is star wars uh <laughs> force awakens wow most watched actors jk simmons that's awesome and bill Hader. that's random <laughs> Cool. Yeah. See, this is this is fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. On your laptop, do you have your movies list? They're on there somewhere. Okay. Good luck finding them. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, the reason why I asked you guys was like, I was thinking, like, you know, it would be kind of fun to, if I could get your login information, just go ahead and just fucking log. You don't have to do that. Your stuff, because I was thinking, like, it would be cool if we have all three of us have all of our shit on on there from. Uh, 2013, like I have, so the entire run okay. of the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be as tempting. Right. But then again, I don't know if I'd have, I, I mean, it would be a long process. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. That's why we need an intern. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I should try to backlog them because I do like yeah. the idea of just having it all centralized. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. Yep. A so. Film. Yep. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, so back to, back to the list or the, the tags, I should say. Okay. Um, so 
I am crazy and I went through and I added a bunch of tags to a bunch of diary entries because like each time I add like I put the tag and I put like like you said the format and everything I got a strict like a parameter of stuff that I'll put in there mm-hmm. um so um the latest thing that I did recently was um I opened my tags for theater viewings mm-hmm. so like I said, my letterbox is backdated to 2013. Like I have all the movies I've watched from January 1st, 2013 to present day logged, tagged everything. So total theater viewings in those five years, five and a half years. Um, yeah. Um, are 272. Nice. Yeah. So what I did tiny, as uh, I went, I opened up the 272 ones <laughs> And I added the names of the people that I saw. Oh my the movies god! With, shut up. To each individual one. Yeah. And now there's some from like 2013, 2014. I genuinely don't remember if I saw it with you or not. Okay. So this number may be a little inexact. Okay. But do you want to take a guess how many movies, according to my letterbox, you and I have seen in the theater together since January thir- January first, 2013? Hmm. 60? Oh, that's actually pretty close. Really? Yeah, uh, 69. <laughs> oh, man, that's yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of Dang. Neat. Yeah. Am I number one? Um, Are you? I think you might be. Um, I thought Kirsten might have surpassed me recently. You know, and I'm going to bring this up when I have her on when we, because she and I are going to review Skyscraper. Okay, nice. Saturday. Nice. I don't think I actually told you um, that. Um, <laughs> technically, technically, the top one is um, the very sad <laughs> tag I have for Alone. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> do you want to uh, guess how many movies? Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> no offense, but I bet it's in the triple digits. Yeah. hundred and I'm going to say 118. Wow. Okay. Uh, the last five years I've seen a movie alone in the theater 150 times. Oh boy. Yeah. Which is weird. No, I'll get into that when I have Kirsten on. I bet my percentage, like the percentage of those that you've seen by yourself, my, my percentage is probably the same. Oh yeah. Like I haven't, I haven't seen 272 movies in the theater in five years. Well, that's the thing. Like I actually, at least I really used to, I used to really like going to the movies. Oh, me too. I still do kind of. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I saw a movie this week by myself and it was just like, I, like, cause I always go see movies with Kirsten and, and like, I'll see movies with you. And it's just like, I, I kind of miss it. <laughs> like, yeah. I miss having someone there to talk to. Right. Um, right. but yeah, do you want to guess how many movies I've seen with Kirsten? 46. Wow. You're close. Am I really? Uh, 57. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and then are any other ones? Of course, movie pass screenings at 71, which okay. A list is going to. I mean, it's a matter of time. Like uh, by the end of this year, I'm sure a list will probably. Well, no, not seventy one. That's ridiculous. Um, by the end of one calendar year with a list, okay, it'll probably surpass that. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so stats are fun. Yeah. Um, totally. Tags. Tags are fun. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyway, so let's get on with our actual episode. Yeah. <laughs> Except for, uh, instead of, you know, just 
promoting this app that we have no affiliation with. Right. Which we literally have no affiliation with it. Yeah. So um, I can get it started if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, I'm bringing well, up your... Well, I'll give you something. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So uh, for those, again, what we're going to do is uh, I am going to look at Matt's diary. He's going to look at mine, and I am going to pick films from his diary for him to tell me about mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so the first one, it's towards the top of your list, and you gave okay. it four stars. Sorry to bother you. I'm curious what you thought of that. Yes, it's funny, because that's actually the movie that I was referring to that I saw by myself. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, Sorry to Bother You is, um, it's really incredible. Nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, written and directed by Boots Riley, who I'm okay. not familiar, I guess he's a rapper? Okay. I don't know if he's like a mainstream rap- mainstream rapper or anything, but um, it's his movie. He uh, wrote and directed it. Stars uh, Lakeith Stanfield, mm-hmm. who was in Get Out. Um, he plays this guy who gets hired at a telemarketing company, <laughs> and like the trailers are somewhat—I wouldn't say deceiving—but like the trailers really uh, play up the whole idea of this this guy, like this black guy working in a telemarketing company as a telemarketer um in having to use his quote unquote white voice um <laughs> which is basically him speaking with um oh man why can't i think of his name off the top of my head uh david uh david cross dubbing over him oh my god yeah which is hilarious and yeah. it's it's interesting because i was actually listening to boots riley on um on the daily show, they have their daily show ears edition podcast. Um, he was talking about how like that scene that's in like the trailers and everything where Danny Glover is telling, uh, like Keith Stanfield, he's saying that, um, saying like, no, you got to use your white, your white person voice. <laughs> um, and then that's when he does that. But there's like, as he puts it in his interview with, with Trevor Noah on the daily show, it's like, there's a lot more nuance to it when you actually see that scene in the, in the, context of the movie because he's not like just like it's not like a oh just use your white person voice it's like he goes in on to explain like no not like white like will smith like like that's just speaking proper mm-hmm. um you have to speak like you don't have any uh any stress or like you've never struggled <laughs> to have your bills paid or have your bills paid on time and and like you don't have any debt or anything to worry about or you're not worrying about you know, living in poverty or anything like that's your white person voice. And it's just like from there, that's a good, like kind of, um, um, microcosm or whatever of, uh, um, what the kind of the movies about, it plays with a lot of really important topics. Like white privilege is a very big thing about it. Also like, like, uh, um, the, well, I, it's, it's hard to explain yeah. because a, I don't want to spoil it. And B, I'm a white dude in my thirties. So like, it's kind of hard to, um, articulate it, but like it has a lot of social, um, commentary about, um, what I imagine is the, the black experience and, and being in, while also playing with like having, uh, um, a satirical view of like corporate America and, and like corporate, like capitalism uh, in itself. Okay. And like kind of the distribution of, of labor and wealth and everything. And it's just, it's all packaged together in this movie. That's, that's really incredibly sharply hilarious. Like it's, it's, it's very funny. 
and it's so weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is a movie that does not exist in the normal world. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's so bizarre. Like, visually, it's very interesting. Um, the way that it goes, the, the path that the uh, narrative goes through is kind of startling and very, very unique. Um, and like the one downside of the movie is that it kind of feels like it's a little too, um, it's not as cohesive as it could be. Okay. Like it jumps around from one, from one thing to another, not necessarily jumps around, uh, from it to it or anything, but like it goes, like it makes this very sharp, satire of you know uh this guy in corporate america trying to trying to you know get his sales up in this really uh ridiculous call center environment okay um and then it goes to this other thing that's that's more about like slave labor and 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 uh uh institutional slavery i guess okay. would be the word okay um and it's just it kind of while it does kind of drift through these different these different things um it each it's not like it's not like any of them are any of any of the uh statements that it's making it's not like any of them suffer because they're they're jumping from different things okay. it's like each one is like very um strongly portrayed I okay. Guess. And there is a scene that is like uh it it's I can't give anything away about it but like it's so ridiculous <laughs> but hilarious and it's like an amazing um satire of like um <laughs> it what I'll say is it basically depicts um a bunch of white people um <laughs> interacting with with a lone black person in trying to um uh goad him into sharing some of his culture i guess oh my god it's and it's it's the way the way that it plays out is isn't like it's not like a cringeworthy thing i mean it's cringy but it's not like it's not like uh it's not like The Office or anything where, like, Michael Scott's saying, like, oh, does black, do p- black people like pizza? Yeah. It's like, it's like this really amazing, like, uh, lack of self-awareness of a character asking him a question or telling him to <laughs> perform something for him. Oh my God. Um, and then what he does is like, it's, it's another example of the movie being like this, this tilted version of the world. Like, it's, it's, it's just it's really unique. That's okay. that's what I'll say about it. All right. Um just really, really interesting. Um that's sorry to bother you. And I think this weekend it's actually expanding to more theaters. So Okay. Yeah. When I saw the trailers, it kinda looked like uh looked like uh Charlie Kaufman and Spike Lee had a baby. Yes. That's kinda what it that's looks exact, like. To me. Yeah, that's okay. the exact vibe of it. Nice. Oh yeah. And it's uh, interestingly enough, it uh is uh an interesting companion piece to get out okay like uh it's because like the next day at work i was watching get out on my phone yeah um yeah so i love i love the keith stanfield uh he's i watched the first season of atlanta which he's on okay um and i 
was kind of lukewarm on it. I thought it was a really clever show and it's good. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I just didn't necessarily care to keep following it, but mm-hmm. he was like my favorite, like arguably my favorite part of the show. Nice. He's like this really scatterbrained, weird kind of guy. I've seen like, I, I think I've seen like the pilot episode and I, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch that because he's, uh, he's got a lot of range. I mean, he's, yeah. and like he was in, um, uh, Snowden. Just randomly popped up in Snowden, oh, and yeah. I was like, "Dude, that's the dude from Atlanta." And then like, "Oh, huh. that's the dude from Get Out." And he's just like, his star is just on the rise right oh, now. Oh, totally. Which is great. I just, I, oh, really, yeah. I really enjoy his work. And he so. does such a great job in it. And yeah, I'm sorry to bother you. It's and Tessa Thompson as well. Oh yeah, um, Tessa Thompson's great. awesome, awesome in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's uh, there's there's some interesting stuff with her. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's she's very good in it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, Great. So, yeah, so that was my first one. In Tiny, I, uh, there's, there's a lot that I really want to pick your brain about. Okay. Um, first, let's go with, uh, The Post. The Post? You saw in June. Yes. Yeah, so that's been a while. It has been a while. Um, yeah. Do, do you want me to go sooner? No, that's fine. Oh, okay. Um, The Post, yeah. So I, I really kind of, was bummed I didn't catch this in theaters because mm-hmm. um, I and like I I think what really sold it for me was like your description of how Steven Spielberg basically just like was like I'm just gonna make this movie that's like kind of a, about this and it's I'm just gonna do it in like a year and right he just like cranked this movie out in between projects and mm-hmm. it turned out to be like this Oscar nominated movie and it's yeah really freaking good and um so yeah I I finally uh. Uh, hunkered down and and rented it and watched it and everything. Nice. Um, I of course I really enjoyed it. I I love I, I love exploring the concept of the the ethics of journalism. I think mm-hmm. that's a really um, for lack of a or like pardon the pun, it's kind of a gray area. Mm. Um, and I I think it's just it's interesting to explore the boundaries of what's ethical when it comes to journalism. Mm-hmm. And and this movie explores that a little bit, and then it was also just so fun to kind of, kind of cherry pick the dialogue that could mm-hmm. have like double meaning, or could like pertain to like the modern day fake yes. news era, you know, or you know the since since the twenty sixteen election, all the all the mm-hmm. journalism, the the micro the microscope that journalism is under, you know, mm-hmm. the the way we all talk about it and view it, and just I guess the the modern or the uh, the current climate regarding uh, journalism mm-hmm. um and all that it was just picking out the little pieces of dialogue that i think had some political charge to it or yeah. some poignancy to to the modern day um was just kind of fun it was, it was like it was like a little game to watch to like play during the movie figure out what yeah. this meant or what that meant or um so that was that was always fun um and i just one of the things one of my favorite things about it was the evolution of meryl streep's character mm-hmm. i think they just they established her really well right right there at the beginning um, as a kind of a timid person and, and just the way she evolves over the movie, I think, and kind of the culmination of that or the, uh, the climax of her evolution, I think is really, really satisfying, I Mm. guess. Um, And, and not even in like a, I watched it with my wife and she's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't call her like a feminist, but she's like, you know, she's always very aware of when she's like, being mansplained to, or she's like, she's very aware of like, you know, 
established gender roles and how kind of silly they are in a lot of situations, mm-hmm. especially in the professional world. Right. Um, she does HR for a living. So she's very, right. she's hyper aware of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so she picks up on those things a lot. And I think, I think she had a really good time with the fact that, you know, the comeuppance of her character, uh, mm-hmm. was, was really satisfying in that regard. So I loved that part of it. Mm-hmm. There's, um, sorry, go ahead. Um, there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but there's a shot at, toward the end of the movie mm-hmm. with uh Meryl Streep on like on a stair on stairs, like descending a set of stairs. Uh-huh. And it's just great, like great imagery. Cause it's just like women, like she's in a, in a sea of women that are all like looking at her and like admiring. Yeah. Her. Just really beautiful scene. It really was. Yeah. A really, really potent, potent moment of the movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. That was good. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just an incredible story that a lot of people don't, know about i don't really know anything about yeah, this me neither. Um, i knew very little about the pentagon papers and um and just the fact that this was a big controversy and it was in the i thought it was especially funny to hear uh, or entertaining to hear them describing the washington post as like a like, you know a, a funny little paper you know right. it's like uh, tell your little stories over there you're cute like i was like <laughs> the washington post because that's like you know that's like a tentpole that's like a flagship place for journalism right now. it's a big deal oh yeah you know it's the washington or i'm sorry uh the, the washington post and the new york times are like mm. that's it that's where you want to be and that's that's where you go to for good news and it's just funny to hear him talk about it like that yeah um and just the again a lot of the a lot of the uh i guess the the attempt of a lot of the characters to maintain journalistic integrity throughout mm. the movie was really interesting like especially the part where they're I think they're at Tom Hanks' house and they're literally just digging through these files for hours and hours yeah. and they're trying to like find a way to craft their story where they're being respectful to the material and being respectful mm-hmm. to the people who are discussed in the material. Right. And it's just it's just like I especially loved it cuz it's like I I think a lot of true journalists operate that way Mm -hmm. they kind of tiptoe through their work and they're very precise and careful about how they word things and it's hard like it's hard to do oh yeah and and we're we're in this climate right now where people who operate that way are just being completely dismissed Mm -hmm. and being disrespected frankly and written off as fake news Mm -hmm. just because somebody said just because somebody said it. Right. That's what annoys me the most about the whole fake news thing is that like someone can just come in out of nowhere and just say, Oh, that's fake news. And that's it. There's no, there's no, there's no evidence given. Right. There's no, uh, it's not based on anything scientific. It's not, it's not even anecdotal. It's just like, well, I don't like what they said or like, I, I just don't like the, the position that that news organization has. So they're fake news. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. And then it's just done. That's the end of the discussion. It's like, you think you made a point, but you haven't. You've just, it's, it's, you're literally just name calling. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's all you're doing. It's like calling them an asshole. It doesn't achieve anything. It's just, it's a completely emotional thing. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not based on any kind of evidence. And I'm not saying there isn't fake news. I just think that's a really stupid term. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a almost 100% emotionally charged thing. And, and I think this movie demonstrates like, Journalism is hard and it's like people who really crank out quality stories and investigate things have a really hard job and it's, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And just to the way that it's being treated today is really, 
it's just off-putting and it's kind it's a little scary and yeah i i think a lot of people are defending it and i don't think it's going to go away but I, I i'm just curious what the future holds for for uh integral journalism yeah uh, journalism with integrity um and i think this movie kind of you know in a roundabout way you know there's a lot of subtext to the movie and a mm-hmm. lot of uh you know it's it's timely i guess uh mm-hmm. but it just it, it really got me thinking about that and yeah i think it, it achieved that goal wholeheartedly mm-hmm. so I, I really enjoyed the movie um i don't even remember what i gave it how many stars did i give it i think four? you gave it four i might have given it four um yeah, four out of five stars. Okay. And I remember, because I, um, I don't know if I saw it before um, the new year. Because did I? I don't know if I had it on my top ten. I think I did. Anyway, okay. um, like I kind of viewed the post. Because like, okay, it, you know, it, the comparison is there to make comparisons to um spotlight from a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And like that's that's an easy thing to to uh pick up on or an easy thing to um do. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it before the end of the year cuz I didn't put it in my top 10. Right. Um but it's uh, and like while Spotlight is a better overall movie. Yeah, I think and, so. And yeah, and it is just everything about the, everything that Spotlight and the post both do independent of each other. The post does better than, or no, no, no. Uh, uh, Spotlight does better than the post. If that okay, makes sense. yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, but the thing that I kind of honed in on on the post is that it is like this, uh, this twofold. One, it's like it's this beacon to like tell. Like I feel like the way that. Um, Spielberg made it was like his way of saying like kind of communicating to the audience through subtext in the movie that, Hey, you know, shit's going on right now that is not okay. And here's an, here's a story from, from, uh, the past about people that had incredible integrity that overcame being, uh, victimized by a person in power Mm-hmm. Um, by an administration. So here's, here's how they did it. Like here's, here's, here's a mirror for the present day because yeah, it is like, it's, it's same. Like they made a big point of like Nixon attacking, uh, attacking the, the newspaper or what have you. Right. Um, and there are some very interesting similarities to be, to be drawn there. Absolutely. Um, so I like, like I really latched onto that. And that's one of the things that like, I just love about art and this medium and everything is that yeah. this movie, like the, my, uh, the kind of anecdote about it is that he was, Spielberg was on uh post-production for ready player one. He read the script and he was like, Oh, I want to make this now. And he made it and put it out within like six months or something like right. that. Something ridiculous. Something crazy. So it's just amazing that we, live in a world where like, I don't like to get political or anything, but at this point the world is on fire. Right. But, um, but like we're at a point where, you know, we need stuff like that. We need stuff that's, you know, making, making a case for common sense, for, for integrity, for 
something mm-hmm. because you know you have fucking barely literate anyway yeah um yeah anyway we need this kind of kafifi <laughs> but um <laughs> nice warm cup of kafifi yes uh so yeah so yeah i i really loved the post i i need to buy it cuz i really enjoyed it yeah that's a good one so uh, another yes. one on your list that's really caught my eye you got a bunch i haven't heard of but oh, uh, nice. i could ask you about but i really mm-hmm. want to know partially because of the star rating you gave it, but also because okay. I'm super interested in this movie is what you thought of. Won't you be my neighbor? Nice. Okay. And it's funny. I was kind of hoping, okay. On one hand, I was kind of hoping that, uh, you would bring this up now. Cause it's like our conversation about the post is a pretty good segue into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I'm, Oh crap. Hmm. Well, I told Mike that, uh, the reason I'm borrowing your laptop is Mike wants to review it on, on Monday because he saw it for. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'll just lightly. Uh, dang. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll lightly talk. And I also wanted to talk to Kirsten about it on the podcast when I have her over on Saturday to, for it. Just get, give us an appetizer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Won't You Be My Neighbor is a documentary about Fred Rogers mm-hmm. and about, uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I, didn't really watch Mr. Rogers as a kid. Like, yeah, I was kind of on and off too yeah. with it. Yeah. Like it just, I, I didn't, uh, it wasn't on TV, like it wasn't anything that I grew up with or anything. So I didn't have that connection mm-hmm. to it. Um, however, what I will say, and this will be the, the little taste before uh, you get my full review with Mike. Um, mm-hmm. Coming out of the documentary, um, I feel like Fred Rogers is the closest thing to an actual real life superhero <laughs> the world has ever seen. Wow. And what I mean by that is the documentary beautifully paints him as this beacon of just good. Like yeah. he is just a very good natured, like incredibly intelligent like gifted at communicating these things to generations of children yeah and the effect that he had like i don't i like i mean he was such a force for good yeah and like the documentary did a wonderful job portraying that and everything and the reason why i said that it's it's good that you brought this up after talking about the post is like it was such a heartwarming documentary that like I physically, like in my body, when the credits rolled, like I got up. Me and Kirsten were walking down the uh, walking down the the row, and then and then going out the going out the doors. All I was thinking about was, now I have to go back out to this fucked up world that we're in. <laughs> Damn. And like I had like a two hour, or like hour and forty five minute just, uh, just vacation from everything that's wrong with the world right now. <laughs> so it, it was just, it was in that, that hour and 45 minutes was, was very much, um, needed. And nice. it was just, it's, it's really great. There are some bits in it that are, uh, are very, very heartwarming. Um, mm-hmm. there's one in particular that surprisingly enough, like it kind of comes toward the end of the movie and I won't give it away or anything, but like it's, it's like the money shot of the documentary because it depicts or it shows, um, Fred Rogers, um, 
ha- like engaging with 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 someone. I won't say who or anything, but like what's communicated in that in that thing is like you can tell how uh transcendent his reach was. Okay. Um it's and it's it's remarkable. Like he he like uh like I he was such a superhero. Like incredible. Do you think he has like a modern counterpart at all? No. I, I honestly no one else can touch him. I, I mean, honestly, granted, also I don't watch like preschool shows or anything. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But um, honestly, I, I and maybe this is the point of the documentary. Maybe this is something that's just because of the documentary. But like, I came away from it thinking like, there's never been anyone like him, and I don't see how anyone else can can be like him. Wow. Yeah, because he was just oh, it was it's. It is such a an amazing documentary, and one of the great things about it, um, I'm dipping into what I'm going to say when I have mic on, <laughs> but um, uh, one of the great things about it is like going in, I didn't realize how worried I was. Um, like a lot of people said, like, "Oh, I'm worried that it's going to uncover like terrible things that he did in his real life." Yeah. But like, since I didn't have any connection with with Mr. Rogers or anything, my kind of fear going into it is that it would be a lot of talking heads about people in his life. But a a very big portion of the movie, like probably the majority of screen time, is archival footage of him speaking. Okay. And like talking about his his career and and like you get so much insight into into what he's doing and, and how he's how he's conveying these messages and everything that it's like I'm so happy that there was all this footage of him uh to to kind of to put together. Awesome. So, yeah. Like if our if our all of our waves and information that we put out into the mm. universe, you know, like if you think about like the I don't know. I think about like the movie Contact, where they mm-hmm. they send a message. The aliens send a message to Earth, and it's uh, Hitler giving a speech right. in Triumph of the Will. Like mm-hmm. that's what they send back to us. Like I hope I hope they find Mister Roger Waves instead of yeah. Trump on debating Hillary Clinton right. or something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like I hope that's what they find amongst the cluster of of waves that we send out into the universe. Yeah. Oh yeah. That would be a, that's a nice notion, if mm. you will. Yeah. Uh wow. Such it such a feel good documentary. I yeah. I loved it. I hope Netflix picks it up. Uh, yeah. or maybe Amazon or something like that. Mm. I'd love to see it. Yeah. So I probably won't get to the theater to see it, but we'll we'll see. Right. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Cool. So um let me okay. So this is one this is a movie that I'm gonna have. I'm I'm very curious what you thought of it because you were very excited about it, um, and I saw it. It was actually the last movie I saw in 2017. Okay. Um, and I just didn't get it. Okay. But judging by your rating, I think you did. Okay. So tell me about the shape of water, Tiny. Yeah, the shape of water. Mm-hmm. So I think. He didn't get it, which I, I, mm. that's okay. I, I get that. Sure. I, I do get that. But like, I think what I, what blew me away about the movie is that almost every second of screen time mm-hmm. was just, was just like riddled with incredible visual detail. 
like like yeah. I think it's I think visually it's up there with some of the most incredible visually stunning movies of all time. Like Sin City and Avatar and Brazil and like these movies that just like you, you like I just could not take my eyes off the screen. Okay. I was just yeah. it's just such a gorgeous movie. And and like in it it's it's its own unique way. It's it doesn't it it felt obviously felt like a uh, um uh, Guillermo del Toro. Thank you. I want to say Benicio del Toro. Right. Um, <laughs> it totally felt like Guillermo del Toro, mm. but I mean that in such a great way. Like I feel like he really has developed his own style over the years, and it's just like this. Like if if you like, I think if you had to pick, had to pick a Guillermo del Toro movie to show to somebody as an example of what his style is, mm-hmm. I think this is this actually trumps Pan's Labyrinth. Really? Which I would have gone to Pan's Labyrinth at the drop of a hat before. Yeah. Like that's that's his style. That's a, that's like his quintessential film. Although I haven't seen some of his early stuff, but mm-hmm. but this I think surpasses it because it just it just pours off the screen. This, the the color palette was incredible, mm-hmm. um, just so visually incredible, and I loved it. Um, and then I think <clears throat> I think you know it's it is it is a monster story. Mm-hmm. But it's just from a different perspective, you know. It's in yeah. that regard, and I think that's it's it's fresh in the regard that it's kind of taking a bit of a a trope from the past, like a monster movie, and just changing the perspective and making some little tweaks. And it's like, oh, that's you know, mm-hmm. if you see a movie like this, you'd be like, oh, that's clever, that's that's cute, or that's interesting. I like what how they they flip the script on this, but right, I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes beyond something gimmicky or kind of cute because I think you have just such a remarkable connection um, between two characters that are different species. And I think it's because the one character has a disability. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's what makes their connection so unique. Or I think like, I think if she was the main character was not a mute Mm-hmm. And she was just a normal lady who goes and, you know, clean, has her voice and everything and goes and cleans up in this lab at night. I don't think she would have made that connection with the creature. Um, and I don't think you'd have a story there. It would be obviously be a lot more tragic. Um, and I just, I think that's such a unique in or like such a unique way to spin together a meet cute between two characters. Sure. It's just, it's, it's something we just, just haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, what originally piqued my interest in this movie was obviously the fact that it's Guillermo del Toro, but I heard him being interviewed on the radio on NPR, right? Like right before the movie came out and his, just his passion talking about his inspiration for the movie dates back to when he was like eight or 10 years old Mm -hmm. and he went to see the creature from the black lagoon and when he lived in Mexico City as a kid, and he just had the idea as a kid, which I think this speaks monuments to his imagination as a person. He, as a kid, he was watching that movie, and he was like, he was watching the scene in that fo- that film, which I haven't seen that movie, but I know the scene he's talking about where the creature is swimming underneath a woman who he finds fascinating and intriguing mm-hmm. and there's this music playing and it's almost like this creature is falling in love with this woman 
But that's not what that movie's about. The movie's right. about, you know, this crazy creature who's attacking people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he sat there as a kid and was like, man, I want to see that movie. I want to see the movie from the perspective <laughs> of the monster and why that monster is falling in love with a woman and stuff like that. And I was like, what eight-year-old kid <laughs> has that notion watching a monster <laughs> movie, you know? I was sure. like, that, so that, that's what piqued my interest in, man, I think he just captured that notion just mm. so beautifully. Um, and, uh, and I think some of the other characters, I, I just feel like they fleshed out so many of these characters so well. Um, Octavia Spencer is just delightful. She's that, she, she's that lady that you work with who's always got, always got something to say. Right. You know what I'm saying? And she, she she's got something to complain about. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows that lady. Oh, yeah. And I think she played it so well. Um, and you finally get to like kind of see her and her, a different environment at home at one point and it kind of, you know, sheds more light on her character. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, arguably the most interesting character was, uh, Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Who, man, he was nominated for an Oscar and I'm so glad cause he was mm-hmm. just so incredible. Um, just such an introspective character. Yeah. And that diner scene. Yes, mm-hmm. man. He's, he's so good. He's yeah. such a good actor. And, and the character was, I just loved it. The mm-hmm. fact that he's uh, very, very much most of the characters in the movie are just like kind of fish out of water. Right. Um, pardon <laughs> the pun. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Michael Shannon, such a good bad guy. Yeah. Just such a good bad guy. Um, and he, uh, man, he really, he really creeped it up in one scene in particular where I won't spoil it, but there's a scene where he like intentionally spills something in order to get, the main character to come clean it up. And he, it's kind of an intimidation oh, scene. Yeah. And there's just a line that he has. I was just like, Ooh, like I, I physically shuddered when he mm-hmm. said it. And I was like, man, he's just so good. Oh, I don't remember the line. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler, but he says, I bet I could make you squawk a little. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I was just yeah. like, I shuddered. I was like, Oh my God, that's mm-hmm. a horrible thing yeah. to say to a person. I just, <sighs> man. And whew, yeah, yeah. Made me shudder. Um, but the, the the number one thing for this movie that just jumped out at me is just it is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think I seriously consider it to be like it is in the upper echelon of visually stunning movies. Nice. I, I really think it's that good. I just loved every scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd lo- like. I-, <laughs> I can't really disagree with really anything because I I mean while I didn't take to it. Like the points you make, like I can definitely see it in the movie. Like I can see you making that connection or making connecting with the story as it's told and everything. Yeah. The main fault for me for the movie was um really just I I didn't I just couldn't I I couldn't get into the relationship. Okay. Between her and and the fish Mr. Fishman. Yeah. Um <laughs> It's, I, I just, I, I just couldn't, maybe it's because they, there was too much of that barrier. Um, okay. cause she's mute. He's, you know, a fish monster thing. Right. <laughs> um, that I couldn't, that I couldn't connect to it because I, I didn't, I felt like maybe there was, there should have been more, um, more of a bridge, okay. uh, between that, between them. Uh, or to bridge the gap between them. Okay. Um, and then on the other hand, maybe it was just, you know, so much stuff going on in the movie. Yeah. In such a bizarre movie, like I couldn't get into, it. I don't know, but yeah, like the performances are great. The visually it is 
immaculate. Like mm-hmm. it is like there's a sequence that's I guess a fantasy sequence. Stunning. Like yeah. that was like a stunning portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I just couldn't buy into the relationship or anything, and okay. that just it, there was that emotional disconnect for me that I just couldn't couldn't latch onto it. Yeah, I got I get that, and I I gave it four out of five stars. There mm-hmm. there were some things I wasn't crazy about. I think it was a tad bit too long. I think it needed just a little bit of editing, um, sure. especially maybe with Michael Stolbarg's character, which mm-hmm. I didn't really mention him, um, but he was also. Just incredible. Like, I, I would have thought he was an actual Russian person. Oh, yeah. He's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think his character maybe uh, it's hard to say that they overdeveloped his character, but you know what I'm saying? I think they could have trimmed some of the fat there. Sure. Um, and then just the – in regards to the relationship, mm-hmm. the – I'm not going to spoil it, but like the length that it goes to at the end, yeah. I was like – that's like – it's like – um. Man, I really don't want to spoil it, but I was like, mm-hmm. it's a little too perfect. Okay. It just ended sure. a little too perfectly. Like, I think, and obviously this is a science fiction movie. It's a fantasy, mm-hmm. but I was like, it, it was too, like, I couldn't buy it. They, they, they tried to sell something a little too far. I think they tried to yeah. send it a little too far down the river to use another water pun, yeah. uh, water saying, but, um, yeah, it just, it went a little bit too far. I still, I still think it's a happy ending and it's, it was sort of. I didn't see it coming, really. Sure. Um, but I, th- I think, I think it was um, just, just too unrealistic, even for a fantasy <laughs> world, or, okay. or just beyond. It, w- it went a little too far. That's sure. All. Um, too fantastical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it, it would have been in my top five for the year if I had seen it. Absolutely interesting. That's um, good. I man, I just, I'm, I'm probably gonna get the Blu-ray. Oh wow. Um, also. I rented it in 4K. Okay. Um, I have a 4K TV, and I've never done that before. Uh, I th- I think it's worth it. Really? I think it was like another dollar, nice. maybe. I was like, yeah, that's worth a dollar, especially with a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're watching a comedy or something, yeah. you know, maybe not. But man, I maybe and maybe that was partially responsible for the visual stunning sure the way it especially jumped off the screen mm-hmm. but uh I, I still think even if you were watching it a freaking you know a pirated version from china i still right. think would be would still look pretty amazing so yeah but yeah i i can understand where the relationship had a bit of a disconnect for you i i yeah. I, I, I do get that sure so, but man i loved um, it <laughs> nice yeah well, that's good I knew I know that you were really looking forward to it, so that's. Good I that was, you, yeah. Yeah. Really wish I had seen it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Really missed out on that. Yeah. So. Um, I should probably upgrade my TV at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They're so affordable now. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even so. just going to Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it doesn't have to be Black Friday. Just right. You can get a fifty-five inch for under four hundred dollars. See, that's. Yeah, I might. Yeah. Like four yeah. K with. Right. All kinds of features and stuff. Like a smart TV. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nice. I may have to do that at some point. I recommend her. Yeah. If you guys want to donate um, <laughs> to my fun. Uh, anyway, obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, now it's your turn to. Yes. Uh, one, so, the the third one I had my eye on was mm-hmm. um, 
kind of lighten it up a little bit was the movie Blockers. Because <laughs> yes. I've heard some really good things from quite a few people about mm-hmm. this, and you gave it a good rating. So I did. Um, man, let's see. Did I? Oh, okay. I, I, I'm trying to remember if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I didn't. I was just talking about I think. Have you talked about it on the podcast so far? Have I? No, 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 no. I don't think you have. No, I, I definitely haven't. Um, so Blockers is interesting because I found myself in like a mood like i was in the mood for a very specific type of movie mm-hmm. and that type of movie was mainstream r-rated studio comedy that i haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> and so blockers is that like it's you know mainstream it's a studio comedy and everything but basically it's about a group of of parents uh played by ike Barinholtz. um oh Mm, why can't I remember her name? Leslie Mann. Okay. And uh, John Cena. Yeah. Who discover that their their daughters, they're like they're, you know, not related or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, their daughters are best friends, and they have um, made a pact to uh, lose their virginity on prom night. Okay. So it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's about them trying to cock block their their daughters. Right. <laughs> um and what's interesting about it is that it's not the straightforward comedy you would expect. Like it's not a bunch of stupid like sex jokes or or um jokes about like oh, oh, I need to uh, this is a wacky adventure that we're on to um make sure that my daughter doesn't do something she's going to regret or anything. Right. Like it is very much like in like, um, uh, observant of the kind of cultural zeitgeist that we're in right now. Okay. Um, it is, uh, like certain characters have certain positions on it. Like, like one of them doesn't want their daughter, to have sex because he knows something about his daughter that she hasn't revealed yet or doesn't like, isn't like, isn't sure of cause she's a teenager. Right. Um, and then like, it's, it's just a really fresh take on the teen sex comedy Okay. because it's from the perspective of these, these adult parent, uh, um, uh, uh, characters and it's not like this teen sex romp. Um, I, 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 it's just, I, I really loved it. I don't know exactly nice. what else I can say without going into too much detail, but you wrote a good review of it on, on Letterboxd. Oh yeah. I don't remember it. I like um, what you wrote. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. I actually wrote a lot. Holy shit. You said you were surprised by the emotional weight of the movie. Yes, there was a lot of emotional weight in the movie yeah. that I was surprised by. <laughs> <laughs> No, it had a lot of uh, poignant moments between the the parents and the and the children. Um there was the, it, uh, like it's just really interesting cuz it's it's the type of it's kind of a uh, reversal or send up of the type of movie that I love, like mm-hmm. American Pie, Super Bad, like those types of comedies. Yeah. And like this is just subverting it in such a fresh way while also being extremely like sex positive and very um 
uh, tolerant of different things in the world. Okay. Um, it's it's just it's really it's really unique because I didn't necessarily expect that much cultural relevance or that much uh, societal relevance. I guess if okay that's a phrase or a term out of this particular comedy because like I said I just wanted a straightforward mainstream uh, studio comedy yeah um, and also uh, like <laughs> you know. These days, you know, they uh, like the Hangover came out, and you had Ed Helms and and Bradley uh, Cooper and um, uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis, and like that whole group of guys. Like you wanted to see more of them. You wanted to see like the yeah. sequels and everything. Like the triumvirate of uh, John Cena, Leslie Mann, and Ike Barinholtz. Like mm-hmm. I could watch these three <laughs> actors play off each other and and do comedy. In any scenario, nice. Not to say I want to see a blockers too, because there's no way. Like, they, yeah, they can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just like they they play off each other so well, and like, even though it is it is very um culturally relevant to like our current culture and everything, it's not absent of wacky bits. Like there's. Right. There's some really like kind of off the wall, like ridiculous things that kind of harken back to, you know, like those, those teen comedies I referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's again, it's just, it's just such a refreshing and, uh, well intentioned and like I said, just overall sex positive kind of, kind of movie. And, uh, just not was that, not what I was expecting. Okay. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. it's my turn now. Right? It is, yeah. Um, let's see. How many more do you want to do? Um, I don't know. Just you've done three. Yeah, I could do my third, and maybe that'd be it. Okay. Or do you yeah. want to do one more after that? Um, a quick one after that. Yeah, let's do a quick one after that because I have. Well, do we want to each do one that we want to talk about? Like we each pick one from our own list. Yes. Okay. Do we do that now? Did I pick three for you? You pick three you, for me? You'll pick my third one now. Okay, now. So I and get to pick one And then after that, more. you can do your own, and then I'll do my own, and then we'll be done. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Tiny. Yes. Tell me about Ladybird. Ladybird. Yes. Yes. Um, so I... Your face just lit up. It did. Yeah. Just because this was such a fun-ass movie. Uh, yep. And just such like a... Um, I kind of... Man, I, I'm trying to put a, put my finger on it, but it's kind of like um, it kind of sends up a lot of cliches about like being like a teenage girl mm-hmm. and how everything's so dramatic and uh, fighting with your parents all the time and stuff like that. And it 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 shines a light on that and it makes those moments funny, but then it'll like it'll kind of trump it with another joke or sort of um it kind of makes light of those things and it sort of brings it back to a more serious, a more serious note. And, and it kind of, I think it's hard to say that like, I, I didn't, I, I didn't like identify with it because I didn't have a lot of the same, uh, emotional, experiences. emotional experiences or the same, um, I don't know the same uh, notions and wants and desires as Lady Bird did, mm-hmm. but like I still 
know what it's like to be a teenager. And so like some of those things made sense to me, but like I, I understood, you know, I understood the, the kind of, um, just the whole idea of being a teenager and like trying to understand, thinking, you know, so many things and feeling like you're so experienced and, you know, you feel like you know everything, but you really, you really don't. And then you come to that realization, mm-hmm. you know, you come of age, basically. Right. It's the coming of age tale. It's, it has that classic trope to it, but I think it's, it, it did it in such a, such a fresh way, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't understand fully why I liked it so much, to be honest. I think, I think part of it is just that Saoirse Ronan is amazing. Oh yeah. Um, like she if, was incredible. Yeah. And if you hear her speak, like just in an interview, like her natural speaking voice is, she's super Irish. Really? Like wicked yeah. Irish accent. I mean, full on. And she, you would have no clue that she's mm-hmm. Irish when you watch this movie. Um, and a lot of other movies she's been in. Um, she does the accent so well and just, I feel like she encapsulated so well what it was like to be a, uh, you know, an angsty teenager in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was so good. And, uh, Lori Metcalf, man, she is, she was phenomenal too. Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. she, she was so great for so many years on Roseanne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what people know her for more than anything. Um, so she, she was maybe a little typecast and, you know, she's playing a, a mother in this. It's not a far stretch from Roseanne, but still it's like, I, I think she this is this is a completely different kind of mother she was playing, you yeah. know, sort of a helicopter mother before that term was really sure was really out um and kind of overprotective in a lot of ways. Um yeah, I just I really appreciated those two main uh performances. They they were both mm-hmm. just phenomenal. Um and just the I don't know, it's 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 a coming of age tale, but and, and I feel like it's it explored a lot of themes that we've seen before in other coming of age tales. You know, she's, she dates a couple boys and like she's worried about where she's going to go to college and she's fighting with her parents and stuff. And it's like, we've seen all that before, but for, for whatever reason, it felt so unique. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm really not sure why. Um, I I think maybe it's just because, uh, the uh, writer director, Greta Gerwig is Mm -hmm. such a, she is such a creative person and she's, She's such a unique person that this this movie, I think, she has you know communicated that it very closely mirrors her own experiences from being yeah. a teenager, and I think I think she's just a really unique person, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's why it, that's why Lady Bird was such a cool character, and that's why the movie was so it felt so unique, even though it it kind of harps on or explores these very common tropes. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think you can chalk a lot of it up to just Greta Gerwig being a really unique individual person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like her personality is just all over the screen. You yeah. Know? Um and like that movie Ladybird just kind of blew me away. Like yeah. I kind of wish I would have made it higher on my uh, top 10 list for last year. Yeah. Um I mean during the Oscars, like the actual uh, Oscar ceremony, I was I mean I was really hoping that it would win best picture. Oh really? Um yeah, like of all of the best picture nominees, I was like that's the one that I would be most happy about um it winning. Mm-hmm. Um just because it's so just so damn good. Yeah. Um Yeah. Oh, I don't think I saw I must not have seen it before. Yeah, I didn't see it before the end of the year, so it didn't even make my top 10, but it would have been like I probably would have gotten rid of the disaster artist and put it at number 2. Okay. 
Yeah. It probably would have been in mine too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so the post The Shape of Water and Jeez. Lady Bird, I think all would have knocked something out of my top ten. Wow. I think they I, would have. And I've, I've been saying this for years, but we should really, like me, you, and Mike should do an episode where we revise our top yeah. ten for each year that we've been podcasting. That would be an interesting exercise, if you yeah. will. Because if you go to my letterbox and go to my top ten for 2013, <laughs> I want to change everything. Yeah. Um, I have Elysium on there for God's sakes. <laughs> um, Elysium. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to kind of wind down, mm-hmm. um, with this kind of special, unique episode. This was fun. I, I think we should do this more often. Yeah. This, this kind is of cool. Yeah. 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 Um, we're going to kind of do a quick lightning round where we're going to bring up something from our own list that we want to talk about before we head out. Um, and do you, do you have any TV you want to bring up too? Um, not really. Okay. Cause I had one, but it's, I can save it for later. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we should just each bring up one thing yeah. and that'll be that. Cause I'll, I'll have to come up with the 13 reasons why I'll <laughs> want to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Show. Um, so let's see. Uh, do you want me to go first? And then yeah. Go? Yeah. Cause I just thought, yeah, I just went. So. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's this movie that I had seen around Netflix for a while. And, uh, then it disappeared from Netflix. So <laughs> I, uh, so yeah, but I, it popped up on Amazon Prime. So I, that's how I watched it. It's called The Last Time You Had Fun. And okay. it is, um, <laughs> uh, it is one of those movies that is in that sub, sub, sub genre that I love so much. It's the, uh, one life changing night movie. Okay. Um, so it's about these, this group of four people. Um, it, really it's two pairs of, of adults in their thirties. There's, um, Dimitri Martin and, um, David, oh crap, I can't remember his name. Kyle Bornheimer. Kyle Bornheimer. Yeah. David Love the Bornheimer. cast. I'm looking at it. Yeah. Now. Um, they're like Kyle Bornheim, uh, Bornheimer's, um, character is just got divorced dimitri martin's this guy who's you know he's kind of trying to get uh kyle bornheimer out of his shell well on the flip side uh mary elizabeth ellis plays a married woman with kind of a troubled marriage um who is suddenly greeted by her sister played by eliza coop which first of all eliza coop and mary elizabeth ellis have such like have such a great like on screen like sibling chemistry. Okay. Um and that's something that like I like having siblings, I don't know if you're the same way, but like having siblings, like that's something I really hone in on when I see movies. Yeah, me too. Um like that like that one movie a few years ago, uh The Skeleton Twins with Right. Bill Hader and and uh, Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Like that was uh, it impacted me because it had such a strong sibling relationship. Right. But Mary Elizabeth Ellis and Eliza Coop. Eliza Coop, uh, is just going through a breakup or divorce, what have you. Um, so basically these two, these two pairs of people, um, meet at a wine bar and then they get to talking and then they basically have a one night, like, party experience, I guess. It's nothing too hectic or anything, but like there's a limo involved and like it's, it's really surprising how um how kind of heartfelt and how 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 deep dramatically it gets it's like this perfect kind of 
it's the perfect kind of antithesis to like what I said about blockers, like where blockers is this studio comedy that is surprising because it has a lot of nuance to it and a lot of social whatever. Um, on the flip side, the last time you had fun is this really good, a, a good, a, an example of a really good, strong, like indie comedy. Like it has that independent film kind of sensibility where you like, it's like, you know, there's, there's not many characters or anything. It has that kind of, um, I don't, I don't know if this is how it was shot or anything, but it has kind of this improvised feel to it. So not necessarily like mumblecore, but like it has this just relaxed nature to it that it's not like this big studio production. And some of the dramatic elements, particularly between Mary Elizabeth Ellis and Eliza Coop's characters, they have like, they have such a, uh, interesting kind of dynamic in the movie that it kind of comes to an impasse or comes to comes to a climax really toward the end of the movie there's this big scene this big dramatic scene that both of them perform so well like they they are really fantastic and in, in this movie um that it just really it was kind of came out of shock to me because i was like wow okay this was this is an indie comedy but it's also like holy shit they're dealing with some really really uh pretty pretty deep kind of kind of themes and thematic elements and everything. Right. And then Dimitri Martin's character and and Kyle Bornheimer, like they they're good too. And then like the the like it it's a really good group of actors um uh doing very good performances. Okay. Um so yeah, so that's that's the last time you had fun. It was it was really good. I was very, very surprised by it. Nice. Yeah. And very it is good. on Amazon Prime currently. Okay, cool. Yep. And then what's the uh, uh, last thing you want to bring up before we get really quiet? And um, I don't. I, I'm just taking a guess on what you're going to bring up. Actually, it's not that. No. Um, oh, really? Interesting. This is a movie I watched like a month ago that I had oh. never even heard of. Um, it's called Sixty One. Um, oh, you had never heard of that? I'd never even heard of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, Sixty One with an asterisk. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm supposed to say the asterisk. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. Sixty One asterisks. Yes. <laughs> um, so. This movie came out in 2001 as an HBO movie. It was directed by Billy Crystal. Mm. Uh, it tells the story of the uh, New York Yankees season in the year 1961 where uh, Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle were kind of duking it out as to who was going to break uh, Babe Ruth's single-season home run record, basically, uh, which was 60 home runs so you had it 61 and it was the year 1961 kind of a hmm. fun coincidence there um i i had never heard the story ever and wow my life. I, I didn't i did, i'm not a baseball fan and sure. so like i didn't really you know i don't i never follow i never follow baseball i especially don't know baseball history for shit at right. all um i had heard of mickey mantle and i had heard of roger maris but i didn't really know i knew they were both yankees but that's about it i didn't really mm -hmm. know much about them um and so, like, I remember back in, what was it, like, 97 or 98 when, uh, Mark McGuire, and Mark McGuire when they were duking it out, and, like, yeah. when they, when he broke the record. I thought, back then, I remember watching the night where Mark McGuire, like, I watched that game mm -hmm. where he hit his 62nd home run. Um, I watched that game, and I was like, wow, that's cool, that's crazy. But I remember, I thought he was breaking Babe Ruth's record. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, I, I didn't even know that Roger Maris had this record. Wow. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, like, Roger Maris isn't, like, as as a name, as some, like, I'm not, 
like keyed into baseball or anything, but like, like you, like I'm aware of like, you know, Babe Ruth, obviously. Right. And, and uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle. Yeah. <laughs> but like Roger Maris, I don't even, doesn't even register. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, like, so I, I didn't know anything about this story. Um, and this movie was so great. I absolutely loved nice. this movie. And like, I'm not a baseball fan at all, mm. but just the, so, so the, the con, all the conflicts going on in this movie are just really incredible. And, and like, I think, the casting was absolutely perfect. Barry Pepper plays mm. uh, Roger Maris, who I think is always just a great actor to watch, yeah. um, even when he's in shitty movies. Um, and then Thomas Jane is absolutely perfect for Mickey Mantle. I mean, just nice. perfect casting. I just can't. Uh, they just absolutely hit that out of the park, uh, pun intended. Um, so I think when you get these two actors in these perfect roles and just the idea that, like, you know, there's all this controversy around, like, are these two people? It's like hashed out in the press back in 1961 are these guys actually friends or do they secretly not like each other and like uh, Roger Maris wants the record more than Mickey Mantle does or it's like oh Mickey Mantle can barely even get out on the field anymore and it's like just incredible how the press drummed up all these stories about these two guys and like it's just it's just a really remarkable story uh, a sports story and it's it's crazy how it's crazy how human it is because at this point, I think Mickey Mantle had had like eight or ten years with the Yankees, and he'd been playing professional baseball for like ten or twelve years or something like that. And he 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 was a man who lived a very rough life, and so he mm-hmm. he's kind of breaking down at this point. Like his knee is absolutely killing. He has like no cartilage left in his knee, and like at one point he's like swinging a bat, and he like he like dislocates his shoulder. And he goes out there and basically hits a home run with one arm. No shit. And I guess that's a true story. Like, that actually happened. And, like, he was just an unbelievably that's talented. Awesome. He was a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. He could hit home runs right-handed or left-handed. Wow. I mean, he was just like – he's just like a once-in-a-generation kind of athlete. Just mm-hmm. once-in-a-generation kind of talent. Um, just just an absolutely incredible person. Um, and then the – the pressure that Roger Maris was under. He's just not a, you know, he wasn't a guy who was comfortable with talking to the press. And, Mm -hmm. but of course they want to talk to him because he might break this record. And again, they try to just drum up this bullshit controversy and try to make the story bigger than it actually is. It's just a guy playing baseball and he's playing the best baseball he's ever played, which is resulting in him possibly breaking a record. And that's how Mm -hmm. he sees it. But, you know, they want to turn it into this big story. And it's just, it's really, it's really interesting to see how the stories play out. Um, it's, it's really wow. incredible. I, I, I loved, this. I loved the movie. I just, mm-hmm. it almost made me want to start watching baseball. Really? Like that's which I'm not going to. Yep. <laughs> um, 162 games a year. That's just insane. I can't, yeah. I just can't. Uh, oh yeah. I can't. Um, I've, I've always said that if there's any, um, sport that I would probably be a fan of, if I were ever to be a sports fan, yeah, uh, it would be baseball. I'm amazed by baseball because, um, I don't remember where I read this or when, or I might have seen it. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, it is, people may not know this, it is mathematically impossible to hit a fastball. Really? It's mathematically impossible. So, like, huh. the, a fastball has to be, like, I think 90 miles an hour or faster or something like that. Okay. Um, is that's what's considered a fastball. Hmm. So, the time it takes from the ball to leave the pitcher's hand before it hits the, before it crosses the plate, it is impossible for the human eye to see the ball, oh. track it, and figure out where it's going to be 
to hit it with a bat. Like it's physically, it's supposed to be mathematically impossible. Wow. Yeah. But people do it. Like they don't, like scientists don't necessarily understand how you can hit a fastball. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Like I read that somewhere and I was like, holy, how the fuck do they do it then? That's crazy. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So I've always been fascinated by that, that aspect of baseball. Um, huh. just yeah. the, the physics of it are, are pretty interesting. So, um, but yeah, I just, that's, the movie was really good. Um, you should watch it. It's on HBO Go if you nice. if you have an HBO account. That's how we watched it. Yeah, I've always been like I've I've always like seen it like mm-hmm. like uh, being available and everything. Yeah. Um, I've just never. It's one of those movies I just never saw. Right. But I've always been very intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. So. And we we kind of watched it on a happenstance. I watched it with uh, with Paige, my wife, mm-hmm. and she. Uh, we, we saw Barry, we were like flipping through the channels and we saw uh, some movie that Barry Pepper was in. Okay. I think we were actually, I think for about a month we were on a war kick. We watched a bunch of war movies Okay, and, um, one of them was Saving Private Ryan. Nice. And I just mentioned how much I love Barry Pepper and she was like, uh, yeah, oh yeah. Didn't he play uh Roger Maris in 61? I was like, what are you talking about? I had no <laughs> idea what she was talking about. And she was like, wow. what? And she was like appalled that I hadn't seen Is this she movie. Fan? Not really. Um, but she just loves this movie. She'd seen it like a handful nice. of times and she's like, you got to watch this. We're going, when this is over, we're going to go over to HBO and we're going to watch the movie. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll watch it. I like Barry Pepper. Nice. Um, yeah. So she, I'm, I'm glad she talked me into it. It was, man, it's such a good movie. Yeah. It sounds like it. It's an incredible story. Just, it's, it's a true story. Mm. And it's just crazy. Nice. Yeah. Well, I will have to check that out. Definitely do. It's good. Um, yeah. And just I, the fact that it was directed by Billy Crystal. Too, oh, yeah. Who has like, he's like the biggest Yankees fan in the world. Is he really? He's, oh yeah. He's, um, a couple years ago, I want to say 2013 or 2014, they signed him to a one day contract. Really? During spring training. And he actually got to go out and like do some hits. Like, that's awesome. He's like recorded in Yankee history now as like an <laughs> actual Yankee player. That's, yeah. That is so cool. Yep. I mean, he struck out, obviously, well, yeah. but still, he got to take some some at-bats as a Yankee. That's awesome. Yeah, so. And That's... I love Billy Crystal, too. I mean, oh, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he's great, so. Nice. This is an all-around great movie, great story. Nice. Lots of things to love about it, so. Yeah, 61, go check it out. Sweet. Awesome. All right, well, I think that will just about do it yeah. for this episode. Um, coming up on the podcast, um, I'm going to have Kirsten back on. Okay. And we're going to review Skyscraper. Nice. And then we're going to try to get Mike on to review uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, okay. if I didn't already say too much about it. <laughs> and then uh, next week at some point, I know f- I floated this idea to Feckus because right now San Diego Comic-Con is going on. Yes. So I texted Feckus and I was like, hey, do you want to come on for like a bonus episode about like whatever is going to be announced at Comic-Con? Nice. So that'll be in the pipeline I'll let you know because if you want to obviously be on it. Okay. Um, yeah. And then Sweet. so we should hopefully actually for the first time in a long time have a surplus of episodes to <laughs> nice. give you guys. Sweet. And then at some point, and probably should have done this tonight on this episode, but we need to talk about Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll work that out. Okay. Um, yeah, so that'll about do it. Once again, tickets are on sale for Shocktober in Irvington. Forgot to mention at the top that uh, you can get $1 off the price of admission by using the promo code PODCAST1 um, when you go to shocktoberinirvington.com and go to buy tickets there. Um, so yeah, 
It is October 12th, 2018 at the Playground Production Studios in Irvington. Uh, short horror films from local filmmakers, Q&As, raffles, good time all around. Uh, once again, go to sharktoberinirvington.com. And yeah, Tiny, anything else you want to... I think that's it. All right, great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will uh, puke you next time. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>